right? Because we just dropped Spider-Verse. Yes. We'll do the Oscars next, and then we'll do this one. Our stealth Oscars trilogy. I like it. Nobody would know. <laughs> Nobody would know that it was an Oscars trilogy until we told them. That's right. And they won't the know best that. Kind of jokes. And they won't know that until the last episode of the trilogy. Ba ba ba. So we will have tricked them into That's yet right. another Oscar trilogy. Did we trick them last time? No, we actually called it the Oscars trilogy, and it's like the lowest uh, listened to episodes on the yeah. podcast. Yeah. Hey, welcome back to Even More Mashed Up, sometimes referred to as All Mashed Up on Facebook, but completely incorrectly. This is the uh, pop culture podcast at Misericordia University, where uh, two professors sit around and talk about all things pop culture. I'm Alan. And I am Patrick. And today we are concluding what one might think of as the third episode in our stealth Oscars trilogy. We had to be stealthy because the last time we did an Oscar trilogy. It did, not, it did not seem to play well with the audience. I think the only thing that ever did worse was the Game Chateau visit. I'd have to go back and look. Star Wars Trivial Pursuit see. did not, it turns out, not a big draw. I'm not sure that was the problem with the episode. Really? I feel like there were other problematic factors. You think so? Yes. Well, but yes, so yes. The, the, we had two episodes ago was our episode on Spider-Verse. That's right. We We've got it. an episode that's sort of our post-Oscars wrap-up. We were mixed. About to drop. And today we're talking about the most logical thing to talk about in an Oscars trilogy. That's right. The Bumblebee movie. And I've got something to introduce it. Do you? I do. Because you know what I've got. Numbers? Oh, just for you. Well, I've got all kinds of numbers. Before we do numbers, can we do something else? Sure, go ahead. So Hope just texted me. Oh. Her take on the Oscars. And since this is a trilogy, there we go. We could talk about it's it. It's nice so to see that Hope on spring break managed to get this in like an hour late. Yeah. Well, she's a student. So here's what she wrote. And you can just, you know, respond as you see fit. Okay. Okay. That's where she started, actually. Okay. Um, and she does say, I am... So sorry, I feel terrible. Mm. All right. Does Here's she a, feel terrible and that hope is sick, or she feels terrible and not getting this to us? And not getting it to us. Okay. She seems perfectly healthy. Okay. So a lot happened at the Oscars. People need to stop talking about Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper. Like, we already talked about that. Yeah. Yes, they have chemistry. Duh. They were cast as two characters who were in love. Like, chill. She just ended a relationship and doesn't need a man. Hard to argue with that. Okay. Lady Gaga just ended a relationship? Yes. Oh, okay. I assume that's the she. She's okay. not referring to Bradley Cooper as a she. Okay. He is dating someone. All caps, please stop tweeting about them because it is rude. They deserve privacy. She says that she tweets about them. That's right. Um, <laughs> also, the fashion was fabulous. Okay. Freaking Constance Wu looked so amazing. Oh, I saw her. Dress. I saw it quickly. Yeah, she did. That, that, that dress was good. Gosh, it was perfect. Yeah, her dress was good. I really liked uh, Jennifer Lopez's. The, I didn't the, see that one. It was the it was like a uh, like little mirror pieces. Oh. It was I mean she looked amazing. Okay, how and about Lady Gaga in the dress that she wore for the song? I don't yeah. know if that's the dress that she wore for the whole it's a thing. Gray dress she wore for the song. Oh, then maybe I think because wasn't she wearing a black dress? Maybe then when she did uh, I don't know. Uh, There's one of her outfits. She uh, was pretty stunning as well. Okay, all right. Do you want to comment on any other women's appearances before I keep going? No, I did like Billy Porter's outfit though. Okay, good. Um, also Amanda Stenberg and her outfit. So pretty Steinberg. I don't know. Like it, mm. I'm reading Stenberg. Also, I think we need to take a moment to appreciate Billy Porter's all quotes, friggin' outfit. Nah. Yeah. Okay. Also, it's important to note that Miley and Liam, um, Slade 
and or a couple goals at the Vanity Fair Oscars party. Okay. That's all she's got. All right. I'm, I'm not. I don't know the the background on on Miley and Liam at the Vanity Fair party. I did not so. see anything either. But all they right. do seem to slay wherever they go. Okay. Unfortunately, I think that means there's time for only one thing, Rich. Numbers. Numbers. <laughs> Did, were you crying? Is that why you choked it out? <laughs> he just—he just could not. He could not have. No, this is I for totally you. Spa- you guys talking fashion. I have I not totally been doing. Out. I have not ah, been doing it. the deep dive into numbers I was as much asleep. I was this season. Asleep. Remember, you but told for you, Rich and I that you had quit doing numbers. I did, and I've but only brought them back really for quit, Aquaman and this. So you haven't quit. I'm. It's like a patch. I occasionally slip. Didn't you have numbers for Spider-Man? I don't think I did. Yeah, we did rank Spider-Man, didn't we? We yeah. did, but that's not that's not numbers. So, <laughs> really, so ranking one through ten. Is not <laughs> so, what are those? Numer- well, I'll save I'll oh, save this one numerals. for when we actually get right. into talking about the film. So but you, you you do numbers. Do you, you do know numbers, not numbers? Yes. Where the Transformers franchise falls? Number one among the highest-grossing movie franchises. Top three? I would say it's doing well, but I would say top five. You are both wrong. Six? Thank God. No. Ten? No. Fifteen? But uh, now you're too low. Twelve. Closer? Thirteen. There you go. Lucky really? There's 13. thirteen franchises done better? Yes. Twelve. Indiana Jones? Uh, No, Indiana Jones is not on here. Star Wars? Star Wars is number two. Star Trek? Uh, No, Star Trek is number 23. <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would say Star Trek would be lower. Yeah. Well, Harry Potter is number three. Um, Wait, what's number Twilight? one? Twilight? Is that considered a fact? Oh, Twilight, Twilight yeah. is number 18. Oh. Thank God. Oh, uh, boy. There's a lot of franchises, but I can't think of. Oh, Fa- Fast and the Furious. Uh, that is number eight. Okay. Do the Marvel movies, like, is that its own franchise? Number one. Well, the Marvel Universe is its own franchise. And then there are the franchises within it. Okay, so then Captain, so Captain America. America is number twenty-five. Iron Man is number twenty-two. All right, Thor's clearly lower. Yes, Avengers is number eleven. So Avengers and Transformers just about the same. Yeah, well, but would you I like to know? Say is like they're almost what's equivalent. What's the divider? Yeah. Oh, do you want to know what's right above Transformers? What stands between them? The DC Extended Universe. Oh, that <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it just kind of takes the shine off of that a little oh, bit. Oh, then you got The Hobbit. Uh, uh, Middle Earth Ring- is number six. Is Lord of the Rings like part of, are those two separate ones or are they all the same? No, they've got it. They put Lord of the Rings and Hobbit all together. Okay. okay. I think Hobbit by itself wouldn't be that good. Yeah. Well, Hobbit by itself was a terrible. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, so you've gotten the top, th- you've gotten the top three. Garbage. Just garbage. Uh, fourth is James Bond. Oh, oh, James Bond. Fifth is Spider-Man, because you've got all of the Spider-Man movies oh, would go in there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, X-Men is seven. Oh, X-Men, duh. Uh, let's see, you got, oh, Jurassic Park series is nine. Eh. Um, ten is all the Batman films. All of them? Yeah. That doesn't seem, that doesn't seem like a franchise. Like a franchise would be the Nolan. No, but they they put all of the or Batman. The yeah, cause or like, the Keith. Because all of the Spider-Mans yeah. are together, too, because you've got the Raimi, and you've got the Andrew Garfield, but and you've got the Tom Holland. I feel Holland. like that's not a franchise. I think they mean by franchise, they just mean films about the same thing. Oh, okay. That would have been a better way to label it. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know. That's just what, what they said. films about the same thing? Yes. Also, yeah. do you know where Bumblebee comes in among Box Office Mojo's list of most successful toy adaptation movies? Yes, I do. 23rd. No. 10. 48th. Rich just got it. 10? It's 10. 
You told him. That's I did not no, tell I him. I was thrown at a number. I don't believe Can you guess any of the ones that Wait, are n- number one through nine? It's Is number Battleship 10? above it? No. <laughs> Battleship? <laughs> yeah, it was... Is, was, this, is this the highest grossing Transformer movie? No. Okay, so there are other Transformer movies in front of it. Yes. All of them? All of them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wait, this did less box office than any of the Michael Bay? It did. It did about oh. five million less than last night, which is number nine. Last night was so good, though. No, it was not. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> in terms of toy adaptation movies, one, two, and three are all Transformer films. Okay. Legos? Uh, Legos are four and six with Lego Batman movie. Uh, okay. They didn't have Lego two on the list yet. Does Toy Story count? No. Okay. I guess uh, you're probably not going to get... Trolls is number seven. No, I would not have gotten that one. And number eight, which surprises me a little bit... Angry Birds. No, is G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra. Huh. Well, isn't that... That's the one with the walk in it, right? No, that's the first one. Oh. G.I. Joe Extinction, I think, is the one with the rock. I can't remember. No, Retaliation. That's what it is. Retaliation. That series petered out, and it's too bad. There were only two of them. That's why it petered out. Yeah. I got to say, G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra is just, you know, when that's on, like, USA Afternoon, like... Can we roll that back? Two would be petering out, right? Because he only made one. That's not petering. That's just out. I thought petering seems longer to me. Like, petering, you need, like, at least three or four. You have to have three or four to Peter? I would think so, because it's a prolonged process. Like, just dying after the second movie, you just kind of fell that's off like a cliff. Steps but, up but, when they, but making the second means they clearly mean to make a third, so that's Petering. Mm. I mean, it's a quick Peter. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they could be making the third and just, you know, taking So where do you think Bumblebee falls in terms of Rotten Tomatoes ratings? Ooh, I thought you were going to ask me where it falls in terms of movies named after insects. No, no. Because it would be behind Ant-Man. I'm not sure it would yeah. actually. And Ant Man and the Wasp. And a Bug's Life. I'm not sure. Life. I'd have to look at the numbers on that. It might be. I think those would actually uh, be no, pretty Charlotte's, close. Charlotte's Web. Uh, the Fly. The Fly. Mm. Yeah. The Superfly. Fly, the Fly remake. I don't think Superfly is what you think it is. <laughs> <laughs> I think you may have missed that. One. <laughs> Very disappointed when you saw what. Oh. <laughs> Where's his cape? This is. <laughs> this isn't a monster movie. I am familiar with Superfly. <laughs> So where do you think it falls in terms of Rotten Tomato scores, oh, sorry, both yeah. with critics and with audiences? So you want a number? I'm or just, say, no, just in terms of, of amongst the other Transformer movies. It's got to be. Where do you think it falls? Higher with critics, higher with the audience. Higher than? The other Transformers movies. It is higher than all of them with critics. It is the only one certified fresh. Yeah. Because uh, it's got a 93%. Because, but critics, critics unnecessarily hate the other franchise. Oh, the next, one, the next one in the franchise with critics is a 57%. There's a 40% and that's the first one. Between. Yeah. But with the audience. ones are awesome. No. When it, audiences. <laughs> I like how quickly. No. It comes in second. With audiences. Yes. Behind the first one? Behind the first one at 78. Or sorry, because it comes in at 78 with audiences. The first Transformers is 85. I think it would do better with audiences, but it's such a drastic transformation that they're not ready for it. Is it that drastic a transformation? This movie and the previous Transformers movies? Yeah. And that this one is good and the other ones are garbage. Night and day. Yeah. No. This one is good and the other ones were different kinds of good. So here is the final number that I have for oh, you. Oh, there's more. Oh, Lord. After six films, 
Yes. 11 years. Have there been six Transformers films? Yes. I'll take your word for it. 11 years. They all run together for me. A combined budget of $972 million. Oh, they should make one more just hit a billion. And a little over $4 billion in box office. Yeah. The Transformers series. Wait, so they've made like four times what they spent. A little over that, yes. That sounds pretty good. The Transformers series. Them if they didn't make money. In right. Bumblebee. Yeah. Has finally managed to create a good Transformers film. What's the number? All the the time it took. Six years, or six films, I 11 years. I think you lost it with the setup. Almost a billion dollars. Yeah. That they finally got a good one. Of a different sort. They've always been good. They have never been good. They've been actually great. No. They are no. They are this searing critique of American capitalism. No, they are not. They are the searing embodiment of American capitalism and mass culture. No, you've missed the point. I have not missed the point. No, you're frost dixing it again. No, I'm not. You you are missing the point of Transformers. I am not. Michael Bay is trying to tell us. No, he's not. No, he is not. (laughs) It's exactly No, he is not. He definitely I hope the people that said these microphones <laughs> next don't yell like we are back and forth. <laughs> like, fine. No! No, it's just going to okay, be 45 jump. more minutes of me saying, no, he does not. <laughs> Michael Bay loops. is maybe the most prescient social critic we have working today. And less prescient means different than I think it means. No, he does not! <laughs> Ugh. Okay, let me start with the obvious point about this film, then. Yes. This is not your standard Michael Bay Transformers film. In that he had no involvement in it, yes. Well, he was an executive producer, right? Yeah, that just means you gave money. He didn't really do anything. And I'm pretty sure they kicked him off the franchise after this film. So this is not your standard Michael Bay Transformers no, film. No. And that's that's okay. Would we like to talk about some of the ways that it is not your in standard a, Michael Bay in film? In a minute. Okay. But we're not quite there yet. I've got notes on that. I think we should pause. Mm-hmm to give the Michael Bay version of the franchise a deserving send-off. Should we do a moment of silence? No, because if there's one thing Should we reminisce about our favorite? Let's go around the table. Everybody's favorite Transformers scene. To be fair, um, I don't feel a moment of silence would be appropriate because there is never a silent moment Uh in a Michael Bay film. I think we need a moment of explosions. I think you've already had that twice. He does not! (laughs) So, but seriously, like your favorite scene in Transformers movie before then. Uh, yes, I believe it was in the credits rolled on the last one. <laughs> Rich? Please I'm say Merlin. To... It's the Merlin scene where the Transformers are hanging out with Merlin. Oh, God. You no, I liked that. it when Bumblebee killed Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> That's a... To me, it's when the Bud Light truck spills oh, and Mike, Mark Wahlberg is like surrounded by an ocean of Bud Light bottles in the most obviously social critiquing or social embodying commentary about product placement and the plastic culture in which and plastic culture in which we live which comes from the 80s Mm. rich uh come on was it when you bought the popcorn (laughs) was that a transformer i can't remember what movie was for i don't remember where you ate all my popcorn well yes you don't remember the movie because your head was buried in the bucket for the entire film (laughs) it was a really good movie (laughs) i haven't been that happy in a movie in a long time you've never been fuller because you can't take yourself to the movie, so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry. But the moment when Rich texts me, and I come out, and you're looking down in Wilkes-Barre, like, and he's down, down at the, the ticket escalator. window, and he's just standing there so sadly by himself. <laughs> well, because Please, sir, I'd like a movie. Could somebody get me a ticket? <laughs> I'd like some more popcorn. 
And can I please have some more butter? I think about it. He, he kind of played me that day, like, by looking so sad and urchin-like, not That's able to buy a ticket. Look. He got me to ask him if he wanted a little popcorn, mm-hmm. which was, I guess, we have different definitions of little. <laughs> oh. I killed my mom over here this podcast. He's going to feel so bad. Like, my son can't even afford a movie. <laughs> and yet there's no self-shame yet. No. Yeah. No. Afraid that his mom no, I'm pretty sure her mom's going to listen to this and be like, oh, my son has no shame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. So you know me. Anything with Wahlberg is at the top of my list. With yes. I, I, yes. On the show, it was when you tried to make yourself the black guy. I don't recall doing that. Yeah. You should go back and listen to that one. No. No, I don't think that's right. I have one major complaint with the new film. With Bumblebee? Yeah. Mm. No? Have you seen it, Rich? No. No. John Cena. Would you care to expand? Yeah. Vicky didn't hate him as much as she thought she might, but I thought he's not ready for that level of a role yet. Ooh. That's he's, he's still kind like, of hurtful because he's just playing like generic military dude. Yeah, but a lot of generic military dude. If he was like generic military dude for five minutes, yeah. I think it would have had I think part of it is that like his, an effect. his character does not sort of remain consistent in terms of how he's written. Right. That Fair. Because he, so you think I mean... The, you think it's the script holding Cena back. In some ways, yes. I think he might not have... Well, because there's the moment where... Like, the one moment that that sort of stood out is, is when he's the one in, like, the war room that's kind of pointing out how it's a very bad idea for them to trust... Decepticons. The Decepticons. Yeah. And, like, he's like name their names are Decepticons. Yeah. And yet the rest of the film... He does not seem to have that same suspicion. Yeah. Well, because there's a really good line. That's a very Michael Bay-ish moment. No, it's not. It is, because it's such a good line that you you cram it in, even though it makes no sense in the rest of the film. Okay, I'll give you that. Thank you. The trailers need those lines. Right. So. <laughs> Bingo. But yeah, that, I mean, so that's the thing. It's like his character kind of goes back and forth yeah. between like staunchly pursuing Bumblebee, questioning whether they should, then yeah. back to staunchly. So... I don't but, know that his character fair, but I think John Cena like his role is like Daddy's Home too, mm. where he shows up at the end and it's a gag. Yeah, he's not ready to act quite yet. I don't think. Wasn't he in Blockers? He was. Okay, I did not see that. Though. Oh, I thought you did. I okay. bet Rich did. I don't know what that is. I've heard good things about that film. It was about the parents trying to prevent their kids from oh, their no, daughters God, no, no, from once. doing certain things on prom. Yeah, which apparently uh, people that saw it said it was actually a much better film than you would expect from the premise and commercials. Which is about the best you ever get for a John Cena film. Yeah. Much better than you thought. Mm. Yeah. Um, but thinking about him in that, like, in the bunker mm-hmm. as they debate these things, did, do you find it at all disturbing that – like, these are life-and-death national security decisions being made in the bunker. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever calls the president. Like, it's, it's, very, just, it's just some, like, listen, like two-star general on sure the West Coast. they called Cheney. If Vice taught me anything, yeah. okay, it's, but, it's that these decisions are made elsewhere. But they didn't even call Cheney. So to me, I started thinking, like, could they not afford a White House? Mm. Could they not hire a president for this film? Because it seemed very odd. <laughs> That it was all located, like, like literally, use, like, footage from it was films. like it was like the area commander of Sacramento <laughs> was making all of the decisions for the future of the planet. Yes, like, president's not picking up. Uh, call the governor. You yeah, know, just get 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 that. Well, no, it's just it was really just it was the colonel yeah. like and also just things. random, generic, clearly ill-informed scientist. Yeah. Yes. That apparently they invented the internet the, via yes. the transformers, which again, what that. 
that was the stupid Michael Bay movement in this movie. Well, there are a couple. Yeah, yeah, that was another one. Oh, the Transformers invented the internet. Okay. Well, why not? No, they didn't, but okay, sure. But why not? Why couldn't they have? Yeah, because Al Gore did. And isn't also, he, why isn't he would the one they? that claims? He never claimed that he inter- invented the internet. I'm pretty sure he did. No, he talked about how the committee that he was on had created some money that they'd given to people to mm-hmm. help create the internet. And so, in shorthand, he created the internet. Yes, if you're a Republican running well, against him to be president of the United States. Mm-hmm. If he didn't, I'm pretty sure the other option was not a bunch of giant robots from the outer space made it. Why not? No. We don't know what happened. We Aren't they no in idea. like Area 51? Do you ever watch Ancient Aliens? There's all kinds of stuff that's happened. You don't oh, know all about. kinds of aliens. Yeah, aliens have been here a lot. Yeah, I, You know what I haven't watched in a while is Finding Bigfoot. Is that even still on? Have they found Squatch? I, 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 I bet, tell you, I bet you they haven't found him yet. Mm. <laughs> well, to be I fair, bet you money, they have not yet. To be found fair, the show is called Drum Corps out into the woods. <laughs> to be fair, the show is called Finding Bigfoot, which means it is a constant process of finding, not necessarily <laughs> successfully accomplishing. So that'd be found Bigfoot. Exactly. Got it. They're gonna find him, and it's like we lost him, so now they have to go refind Bigfoot. Yeah. So I really enjoyed this movie. I did too. I thought it was a really perfectly good movie. I feel in many ways that this is the Transformers movie that we should have started the franchise with. Well, the franchise would be totally different. It would be. It would be better. Well, I think, no. I think this looks even better because of what Michael Bay did before. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. It was a $1 billion plan to set this film up for you. To set up the least successful film. Because I feel like this but film most suffers. critically acclaimed. See now again, it is. You only care about the money. But I Let's feel like this. I feel reviews. like this film is. I feel like it underperformed because of the hangover from the Michael Bay franchise. That's a possibility. I feel like it's it, like if this had been. I feel like this felt one of the things that that, that watching this film, yeah. it felt very much like a Phase One Marvel film. Right. In that, you know, in terms of, like, the great Marvel Universe, you know, this was very narrowed down. If you ignore the Cybertron stuff, um, <laughs> which is only, like, five minutes of the film and also was freaking awesome. Um, but it's basically Bumblebee. Right. He's facing off against generic villains that are a version of him. To be honest, I cannot tell you the names of the two Decepticons in the film. No, but— Because I'm not sure they're ever named. They're just there. You're getting to the, the number one for me and why I really enjoyed this movie is because it was a simple story. Yes, it was. Like, you didn't have to have a ton of, like, Transformers canon built no. into your No, you had just enough to suggest experience. the larger universe— right. Right. But this was a very modest film. But the other Transformers stuff, you often have to come to the studio and explain stuff to me because I don't know Transformers well enough. And I don't know Transformers that well. To, to make the plot, yeah. like, function. Like, I mean, you didn't fair, need that. there's not a lot like, of story to Transformers. There's not. But in the Michael Bay stuff, it gets really complicated. Well, because they were hanging out with King Arthur and Merlin right. and killing yeah. Hitler. Right. So it gets – so one of the things I really loved about it is Bumblebee just has to defeat what I wrote as two robots. Yeah. Like, who are they? I, I don't, don't know. know. Do they have names? I don't I'm sure care. they do in the cast list, but I'm like, I honestly yeah. do not it, remember them ever not, being named in the movie. It's not the point of the movie. Yeah. Like, the movie is about something very different. Yeah. No, I, I, that's the thing. I, I, I agree with you 100% that it's a much – We agree on a Transformers we film. We do agree on a Transformers film. This is what I wish the Transformers franchise had been from the get-go. Because this feels like something they could build a, a franchise on. They might. Well, they are apparently working on a sequel. I think it was good enough that they should. I mean, Haley Steinfeld is going to be a huge star. 
well, I, she kind of is a huge star. No, but I mean a huge star. I mean, she's Spider-Gwen like, in Spider-Verse. She's going to win Oscars. She potentially could, yeah. Potentially. Well, I mean, I she's... I guarantee with, it. I mean, with Gar- the exception right of True West, she hasn't really been doing Oscar-caliber films. Right. Like Pitch Perfect. Well, I guess she's in Spider-Verse. Right. Um... I'm just saying, but she could be. I think she's definitely got the talent. I'm just for saying, like she, she and is she is a massive trade up from Shia LaBeouf, and a massive trade up from Megan Fox. Yeah, which yes. is the next thing I would say about this film. It's really? so not Bay in the lack of in the male lack gaze. of female objectification, which uh, to me is. Well, let's see. I also appreciated that, unlike say Bay with Megan Fox or really any of the female characters, there yeah. wasn't as much male gaze slash objectification of her character. Right. Yes, there aren't the ridiculous costume changes that were in the last night, you know, as, like, like yeah. female characters go from scene to scene to scene in, like, increasingly opulent ball gowns or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Yes. No, this was— Yeah, absolutely. Like, it was— I would also argue it does much better in terms of race than Bay's films. Yeah. That, well, that— Some of those, yeah. You've got Bernie Mac's sort of coon-like character. You had the yeah. two black gangbanger Decepticons. Yeah. Here we yeah. get a nice sort of multiracial teen romance. Yeah. Uh, with her and Memo— one it's in which she is in control. Totally different. Yeah. Yeah. Empowered women. Mm-hmm. Racially egalitarian. Yeah. Well, it's basically a rewriting of the sort of boy in his car motif from the first film, right. but with Haley Steinfeld's character and Bumblebee. And it turns out girls have very different relationships with cars. Mm-hmm. Or at least Michael Bay envisions. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I what the final thing that I really loved about the film. The final thing, we're already done. That was fast. No, like, I'm sure you have other... I've got others... Like, I've got Fair and Foul. Oh, I've got Fair and Foul. I want to talk about the 80s. That's where I wanted to go you next, actually. Talk about the 80s. Like, we are... I, I don't know. Like, maybe this podcast is no good because we're agreeing too much. He does not! Okay, we're, thank you. I feel better. There you go. I loved the very 80s feel of this film. When you say 80s feel, how do you mean? In lots of different ways, actually. Because I, I actually see it in a couple different ways, yeah. So, for to me... For to me... For to, to me? Yeah, that's what I said. For to me or not to me? That is the question. Ah, see, we can work Shakespearean just Boom. like McKay can. Boom! Because we're smart. The Dropping family dynamic at the start and through the film just screamed 1980s kinds of families to me. The brother who's really into karate, um, the stepdad feels like a stepdad like straight out of the oh, 80s. Yeah. Like, if you wanted a parenting manual on how you're supposed to be a pop culture stepdad— mm-hmm. That's the guy. Yeah, no, one of the, because when the family first showed up. Yeah. It was, initially really was the one thing that I was like, oh, God, they've carried this over from the Bay films. Yeah. Which is the really obnoxious parents. Yeah. Like, you have the Witwicky family in the, in the. Right. But then I realized no, I exactly what you just said, which I'm like, yeah. oh, my God, they are an 80s quasi-adventures in babysitting kind of family. It's Alan Thicke doing like a sitcom it was, Like, 80s. particularly when they were, like, trying to block the cops with the car, and I'm like. Yeah. My God, we've wandered into, like, adventures yeah. in Transformer City. What was the Alan Thicke, Kirk Cameron? Growing Pains. Growing Pains. It's like, it's, it's Growing Pains except Growing Pains yeah. didn't have a divorce in the family. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, 80s pop culture is replete with this stepdad. Totally goofy. I would say the, of, the family as a whole right. is an 80s television sitcom film family. Yeah. Um, the mother who's overstressed yeah. and overrun trying to be, like— the superwoman, like she's got a job and yeah. she's trying to raise her kids. And when I realized that, yeah, that I was like, oh, you know what? I actually kind of like what they're doing this family because it was basically yeah. not only because not only did it have yeah. like the you know the references to Tab and all of the things that, that right. you know the trappings of the eighties, hot dog on a stick. Yeah, 
I was, you know, that there were, you know, on the one hand, it was a sort of a rewrite of Bay's first Transformers movie. Yeah. Sort of plopped into a very sort of earnest, like, 1980s kind of film. Because you had the family bit. And the I, whole thing I don't with love the '80s like you do, but the, like this was the quintessential '80s family, and it was yeah, it was brilliantly written. But not just the family, also yeah. like the whole scene with her diving, and like when she was at the scene where the guy like challenged her to the dive off the cliff. Yeah, I'm trying. I can't remember what the name of that '80s film was that had like John Cusack where he was competing in the skiing competition. Well, I don't remember that one. Yeah, there was like an 80s film Would where you he was... Google that real quick? John Cusack skis in the that 80s? Was, that was, I think it was John Cusack. But there was like an, I was like, oh my God, it's like the 80s school bully um, but it was film better. again. Yeah, like that guy, the hot dude, is yeah. how I have him in my notes, was totally 80s. Down to the way, like, he takes off his shirt mm-hmm. and he's good looking by 80s standards, but he's not really abbed up. Oh, no. Like, he's not cut. Because no, in the 80s, like, the really the good 80s. looking guys, like, you didn't get cut. You don't get cut doing jazzercise. Yeah. <laughs> you speak from experience? No. Okay. <laughs> My lack of cutness is due to other yeah. factors from the eighties. Yeah, but the but the eighties were not a I'd decade. I'd like to clarify. Right. I mean like gaming, not the drugs. Right. Of of well you 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 don't have the scrawny eighties drug. No, I don't. Right. But to me, like he looked like the eighties. Yeah. You know, and, and the, well, that's the thing. The, the movie, like particularly with the family yeah. and like sort of the supporting cast around, right? Haley Steinfeld and Bumblebee. Yeah. It, it's almost like they came out of of central casting for like an like a nineteen eighty five. Yeah. You know, just one of not like your your John Hughes kind of film, but right. like just one of the guys or Adventures in Babysitting yeah. or something like that. Right, and it's one where I think they must have told because I assume all young actors today are like abbed up, mm-hmm. you know, and chiseled. That they probably had to like work on the physique a Dude, little bit. Dude, here are some Jane Fonda tapes. Yeah, like just <laughs> stop lifting. Don't worry about what you eat. Mm-hmm. Hang out with Jane Fonda for a couple. Yeah, of exactly. Months. You know, some, like you'll yeah. still be vaguely here, fit. Here are some leg warmers. Yeah, yeah. In in vague fitness. Yeah. The the very 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 mean girl, mm-hmm. like with the 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 super blonde big yeah. hair and the makeup and the attitude, she stepped directly out of. Yeah any 80s film. I mean, that's like the thing is, is 80s film. the more I thought about it, the more kind of the background, the backdrop of the main yeah. plot was just very much a 80s, like sort of a mashup of, of 80s films. But the easy way to do it is Tab and Corn Dogs, mm-hmm. which I really like. Like, that stuff works. Right. But this film did way more than just sort of give you background. They did. I mean, one of the things like, on the like other the thing 80s too are infused in the yeah. in the film. Well, because the other thing too, like I felt they maybe went a little bit overboard in yeah. terms of like Haley Steinfeld character's room. I was like, okay, we get she's into alternative music. Yeah. Um, right. I was like that. That was maybe like the the, right. the plastering of her room. I was like, right. mm. but her clothes. Yeah. And her attitude. Yeah. Felt very like the like rebellious teen eighties. Oh yeah. The party at the ocean that you talked about earlier, like stupidly diving into it, mm-hmm. beers and car. Like, oh, yeah. Like, that's what my high school kids did, right? Right. Like, that's what we did on the weekend. Except we didn't have anywhere to dive because we lived in Canal Fulton. I, I guess say, we could have, you know, jumped into the canal, but it's not the same. Seems like that would end badly. Jumping into the Pacific. Well, and the other thing, too, but is that's that, what you, like, like you would, people would get in cars yeah. and they'd drive to an open field somewhere and they would drink. Yeah. Well, and the other thing, too, is like the moment they mentioned her diving, I was like, well, that's clearly going to be essential to the conf- to the climax of the film. Right. In a way, I was like, yes, this film telegraphed itself like every 80s film always right. did. And in, in a way, it, it 
it um it's okay yeah like because, I think because it was because a movie so is. steeped in the eighties and kind of was not just yeah like the sign like not just the product placement of the eighties but just right. on kind of a meta level was clearly doing an eighties film. Like, a lot of things that I would... Like, even, like, the family to be, at the begin with, I was like, oh, I hate this family. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, no, this family makes a lot more sense to me now that I realize right. they are an 80s sitcom film family. Yeah, absolutely. If Alan Thicke were still working and young enough, yeah. like, he'd be... Actually, I think you could... Alan Thicke generally shows up for stuff. Like, he was on How I Met Your Mother for... He's, but he's too old, I guess, is what I'm saying, to play the, the stepdad. Yeah, but they still could have had him. Oh, they could have had him in there as, like, a cameo Step or something. Step-granddad. Because they did have some other – I found an article that talked about, like, the various kind of other 80s Easter eggs that people probably missed. Yeah. Well – oh, good. Yeah. That, like, when Bumblebee is doing, like, the scanning of other cars that he could be, Yeah. one of them is apparently the urban assault vehicle from Stripes. Oh, nice. Um, the Chinese restaurant they go to is the one from Big Trouble in Little China. Wow. Um, ah. The supercomputer in the war room is one of the ones from War Games. Nice. Um – the station wagon is very similar to the one from National Lampoon's Vacation. Yep. Yeah. And the boardwalk on Hot Dog on a Stick place that Charlie works at is the same one from Lost Boys. No. Yeah. Really? Like they did like they like they again, in a very way that unless you actually went and looked up like eighties yeah. Easter eggs in a Transformer film on a Google search, right. you would not have caught would any you, of these I things. I saw Who Lost Boys that? when it came out. Yeah. I would not have remembered the hot dog on a stick. I would not stand. have remembered that that's the thing. Like they so they did like they did the eighties stuff. You know, the stuff like Tab, very obvious. Right. Kind of the metal level on, you know, the family and things like that. They're layers. And then they did, like, then they, there's this additional kind of Easter eggy level, but not Easter eggy in a way that pulls you out of the film, which I know is your complaint about I Easter hate eggs. Easter eggs in that way. And by the way, also, like, just Charlie's work environment mm -hmm. was totally 80s, too. Like, it just felt like every stupid job I had. See, I never had a like, lot of jobs like, like that. Like, it's a summer so. job in the 80s. Yeah, I bagged groceries, so it wasn't quite mine. Yeah. It just, it, all right. And then, of course, the final way, or another way, maybe you've got more, in which they layered the 80s in, mm -hmm. was, of course, the music. Oh, God, yeah. Which I assume you were pretty thrilled with. Mm. I was thrilled with one particular song. Um, I'm going to go with Take On Me by yes. AHA. Yes, I was very excited. There was other stuff. So I got to say, the, I did like the um, the Never Gonna Give You Up. Yeah. The Rick roll. Right. Yeah. That was good. Like, because, I mean, Rick Astley now works on different levels as well. Yeah. I like that when they played Bon Jovi, they played Runaway. They did. As opposed to something from Slippery When Wet. I do you know, like, like Runaway. Like, that's that was it, one of their, that was like their first big hit. It was their first big hit, you know, and it was, it was before Bon Jovi became Bon Jovi. Yeah. Maybe know? that song was a little bit on the nose, but then again, I'd argue that could work in a kind of 80s in way as well. In an 80s kind of way, you know, like... Yeah, it's Bon Jovi that I saw opening for Rat. Yeah, which like is inconceivable now. Oh yeah, right? oh, like, no. the, like that, Bon yeah. Jovi, Jovi would, would open, open for Rat. Rat. Like, yeah. Clearly, that's that makes no sense. The other way around. Yeah, that's clearly an alternative universe. Right. Yeah, and so I think they had um, Tears for Fears. Everybody wants to rule they the did. world. Yep. Um, don't you forget about me? Which seems like something you have to have in an yeah, 80s you, they, film about They needed teams. to have some kind of John Hughes reference, either right. that or Saint Elmo's Fireman in Motion. Right. I can't drive fifty five again. A little on the nose, on the but, nose but acceptable. In ways that I could live with it. Like, yeah. it just felt to me like a soundtrack that was about... Mm -hmm. my, only, my only disappointment was there was a brief Joan Jett reference, but they didn't really dive into the Joan Jett. Where was the Joan Jett reference? I don't remember, because okay. I watched this movie like a month and a half. Okay. Yeah. But this is, a, this, is a, this is a film that Joan Jett should have factored in. And Joan Jett should mm -hmm. have been all over Charlie's Walls. Yes. As yes. Opposed well, and obviously to like, there was a lot of the Smiths. 
Yeah, we always got to do alternative 80s. Yeah. I'd rather people do the more authentic 80s, which yeah. would have been Joan Jett. Yeah. Or Michael Jackson. Yeah. Prince. Hall and Oates. Well, I, I was thinking more of like rock and roll rebel attitudes. Stuff. So Hall and Oates. They are rebelling against rock and roll. Mm-hmm. But they're not rock and roll rebels. Like, those are different things. No, I think those are the same. No, they're like, we can take rock and roll. They're probably doing both. And we can tame it, and we Mm. can domesticate it, and we can play it in elevators. Mm. That's a kind of rebellion. They don't play it in elevators. People take their music and make it into elevators. Their their music translates easily to elevators. No, it's a difficult transition. I don't think so. Mm -hmm. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Listen, if you want your Michael Bay stuff, you have to give me my Hollow Notes stuff. No, I don't. Yeah, you do. No, I've got my— You did not do it! (laughs) You can't take that away from me. And is I, that like I, you can't handle the truth? That moment? is. The other thing that I did enjoy. Yeah. And this is when there's a scene where she talks about the VW Beetle as a death trap. The mom describes yeah. it. Which remind my best friend in high school, Aerie, had a VW Beetle. And we always drove in that. Yeah. And I always sat in the front seat because that the passenger side front seat was the only seat that had seat belts. There were no seat belts in the back. And so we always referred to it as a death trap. And then after we've been driving this car for like a year and a half. We get in one day, and there are seatbelts in the back seat. Yeah. And we're like, oh, did you get those installed? And he's like, no, they were just buried behind the seat, and I just couldn't get them out. <laughs> or, sorry, couldn't be bothered to get them out. <laughs> so, that, so that brought back a little 80s nostalgia for me, too. I'm like, oh, yeah, the death trap. Yeah. Yep, my friend had a, not a bug, but a Chevelle that was also a, yeah. clearly a death trap. Well, I mean, what car in the 80s wasn't a death trap? I mean, That's a fair point. That's a fair point. I mean, 80s. God, I remember driving around in, like, my neighbor's station wagon in the back part. Oh, yeah. With, like, no seat belts or so, anything. what was your first car? My first, well, see, I didn't get, okay, this is going to make me sound bad. <laughs> I was kind of hoping. Yeah. I did not get my license until I was... Please say 35. No, no, it's not that bad. I was, but I was in my 34. early 20s. Okay. Why so, not? Um, so, I, when I would practice driving, it was with my dad. Yeah. And I did not find that a particularly comfortable experience because okay. my dad would yell at me a lot. Yeah. It's hard um, not to yell at your kid when they're learning to drive. Yeah. Like in so every parent's defense. I just kind of stopped learning. And okay. so then what happened is that. Um, my great aunt passed away and she had a Chevy Beretta, Beretta, which my grandmother inherited, but my grandmother hated it because the, the bar that kept the door on the driver's side from closing was broken. So the door always closed and that door, it was too heavy for her to open. Yeah. So she hated the car. So she called me one day and said, look, I'm getting a new car. I hate this car, but if you have your license, by the time I get the new car, this car is yours. So she gave you the car. So and how I old were you? and so I uh, I, my, I was in I was twenty three, okay, maybe twenty two. Yeah, um, and you had to learn to drive. Well, that's the funny thing. So I was like, I called the DMV, and I'm like, okay, I'll call the DMV because they never have appointments right away. So I've because I've got to brush up. What year was it, the Beretta? It was an eighty eight. Okay, and it was white. Right, um, I want to see if I can get a good look at it. So I called them. I was like, yeah, I wanted to, you know, get an appointment scheduled for my driving test. They're like, yeah, we could we can fit you in tomorrow. And I'm like, uh, yeah, do you have something like in a month? Because <laughs> I really need to kind of brush up a little bit. So I took the exam, passed. Dad drove down to California, drove back with the car. You didn't go get it? No, I don't think I did. I'm pretty sure it was just my dad went down. Did, I, think so he fl- I think he flew down and then drove it back. Did you learn from your dad? Or did you teach yourself? Oh, no, I, I went back to learning from with my dad. Okay. Which was still not a pleasant experience. But you had a free car in it. 
But I, I was like, you know, that was my motivation. I'm like, ooh, free car. And then it promptly broke down three times in the first three months. And I had to shell out about $2,000. So not so free. Well, because well, I remember, I remember. Let's one be of the, honest, it was a Beretta. One of the times I was driving with my dad, I remember we were driving. I was driving home from work. Yeah. And I'm at a stoplight, and the light turns green, and I start moving, and the car just goes dead. And my dad immediately jumps to the conclusion that I had not filled it up with gas, and I'm like, pretty sure that's not how cars work, Dad. It doesn't just stop all of a sudden. Well, can I be honest? I was on a date once, first date with a, a girl in college, and, and you ran out of gas. No, she she was driving me home. She was driving me home, and the car literally stopped in the middle of an intersection. Hashtag feminism. And she could not figure out what was wrong until she looked at the, the gauge after about five minutes of panicking about it. And they're like, oh, there's no. Yeah, no, my car literally So was... my first date literally consisted of me getting out and pushing her car. Classic. <laughs> to a place of safety. Hashtag feminist. Yep. So, yeah. yeah, so that was my dad. I don't know. My dad just did not have a lot of patience for me driving. In my defense, I don't think I was terribly good. Yeah. It doesn't... I'm better now. Seems reasonable. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. My first car, if you care, mm-hmm. was a uh, Maverick. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was, it was a muscle car. Yeah. Oh, the Chevy Beretta they, had a... Yeah, it had like a V8 on that thing. had some pep. They, I, kids today, they have no idea, really. Yeah. Like, like a, a oh, highway car, full that, of and V8s. That, and that car just... Yes. <laughs> oh. I mean, you were making six yeah. miles a gallon. Yeah, right. man, you the mileage on you the Beretta was not good. You were down the interstate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, yeah. My, you know, my... Yeah. I mean, one driving driving so my, mine was like a bright orange. No, mine was white. I think With it might have had like some red stripes. striping. It was spectacular. Yeah. No, my... Spectacular. We had fuzzy dice hanging from the... And now what do you drive? What? What do you drive now? I'm a, a, an Ultima. Yeah, I have a Corolla. Yeah. I feel like that sums up where we are in life. I don't know. I might, maybe for my next car, I'll go back and see if I can buy, find a Maverick somewhere. Mm. Drive around. Oh, yeah, that's going to be fun. Get one. I have, like, I, have, out. I, have, I have no desire to get a Beretta. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't really need to go back either. So, But, you know, what a great Transformers film making us think about our first cars. Rich, yeah, what was well, your I first mean, car? again, I will say that was one of the – that was, I think <laughs> – I'm not even kidding. Wait, what was your first car? Saturn. He started with the old Duke car. I thought he was about to say, I'm still waiting for it. It was like grandmother's. He's like, are, are you willing to buy me a Please, car? Please, sir, can I have a car? <laughs> it was my grandmother's car. Yeah. It was like 10 years old already. Well, and that's the other thing is my aunt, like we were, when I, the car was, so it was an 88, which I must have gotten in, if I was in the 20s, I must have gotten it midnight. So my aunt had had the car for like seven years or something. It had like a thousand miles on it. Like it, had, she barely drove yeah. it. So by the time I got my car, like it was about 12 years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, my car was was you know maybe seven or eight years old at that time, but had been barely driven. So then my grandparents gave the family a a Malibu. Remember the old Malibu? Uh, it was like a tank. Yeah. And it was it was like the four door, red leather interior. But yeah, man, you pushed the accelerator on that yeah. and you. Off. I mean, again, it's not surprising God, that the two best Transformer movies are yeah. the first one and this one, in the sense that they very much sort of play on that idea of you know the kid with his first car or her first car. Yeah, but you're definitely wrong that the second best one is is the first Transformers movie. I'm just going by rotten. The tomatoes. second best are when Mark Wahlberg sets in. Like no. Wherever that, wherever he arrives, that's the second best film. No. And the third best film. No. Yep. No. Is he in the first one? No. No. No, you got Shia well, LaBeouf, which is another trade-up from Shia LaBeouf to Haley Steinfeld. You think? Massive. <laughs> Not even just a trade-up from Megan Fox, but from, from LaBeouf. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Massive improvement. So it seems like we kind of love this movie. I really enjoyed it. Um, 
What about this review then? If quick fair or foul? So okay, I've like got some. So much. I've got some fair or foul as well. Uh, somebody writing for the AV Club writes, "Quote: If it, um, if only not being terrible was the same thing as being I think I saw good." That. Yeah. Bumblebee is just reheated nostalgia. I saw that. Jesse yeah. Hasselberg is saying that you and I have been hoodwinked by the nostalgia. To be fair, it is. I mean, considering we just spent like twenty minutes talking about our first car. I'm and the not ball is sure, and the way in which the entire film is grounded in the '80s. I'm not sure we can argue. Jesse's I'm not right sure we're wrong. Jesse's right. Well, I don't know. I would not. I think. Uh, see, this is my. This is why I think. This is one of the ways that I feel like this film is somewhat held back by the previous Transformer movies. Right. Is that I don't think anyone can see this. Right. Outside of the Transformers movies, right? Because if Wonder Woman situates itself in World War One, it's a wonderful idea to ground yeah. it in like a historical setting. But you can't do that for Bumblebee. Yeah. So yeah. So because isn't Wonder Woman just reheated nostalgia for World War One? Everybody loved the Great War. Is there anyone alive for that nostalgia? Well, the film ended in 1919, so technically, yeah, I would think there's someone that's 99 was alive during the war. Okay. All right. That saw Wonder Woman. Now you're threading an increasingly fine needle. I am. I am. That's what I do. Um, Yeah, no, I I mean, I feel like like that's one of the ways that Bumblebee is getting a bad rap. Because I think this, if this had been the first movie, I think we would have have had a very different um, Transformers franchise. So let me say, I've got two that I want to read in response to that. This is from the Globe and Mail. After the cacophonous abomination... Which seems overstated. Oh, no. I think those are the two best words to describe Michael Bay films. After the cacophonous abomination that was Michael Bay's Transformers Uh um, the last night. Oh, sorry. I meant the whole franchise. I suppose the mere whiff of competency smells good in comparison. And um, from Film Frenzy, I suppose after a steady diet of moldy green one-month-old bread, even a bite of slightly stale one-week-old bread would taste delicious. Good Lord, that's harsh. Yeah, people really hate Michael Bay in ways that they they don't understand. They reveal their own ignorance yeah. in attacking him in this way. Yeah. They're so just I mean, jealous. kind of the same thing. This is uh, Simon Abrams <laughs> from RogerEbert.com. Oh, uh, Roger Ebert. JJ Quote: Abrams. There's too much undercooked human drama and not. Oh, sorry. This is a little bit different. Yeah. There's too much undercooked human drama and not enough splody high concept stuff, which is competent. Wait. Sure, Bumblebee may seem like a welcome change-up after six beified Transformers yeah. flicks. But as somebody who quit the recently revived franchise after the fourth entry, I have to say, so what? There's not only nothing new here, there's nothing convincing. You know, honestly, that's somebody that you can't win with. No, because I feel like there's, they want more splody Bay stuff, but also Bay stuff stinks. But they don't want stinks. Bay. Right, yeah. like Bay's terrible, I want Bay stuff. Yes. Um, yeah, like I just... I. I think that's unfair. Yes. And so how about from Real Views? The movie works in large part because of the depth of Steinfeld's performance. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen such a well-realized character in any of the other Transformers. Oh, that is 100% yeah. fair. Yeah, um, yeah. I do find – the other thing that I find interesting about this – well, no, we haven't really talked about – No, um, yelling general, man. The you know, ways in which – I do – like the – you know, the fan service of the Cybertron parts – I yeah. really appreciate it. I'm like, yes, that is what Transformers are supposed to look like. Right. Okay. Um, I don't know what Transformers are supposed to look like, but I will defer to you Can I just that. say that I love – it still makes no sense to me. Like, why – because we have the guy on Cybertron that has the tape deck in his chest yeah. that the panther jumps out of. 
yeah. which of all the Transformers, I'm like, yes, that is the one I wanted to see because that is one I remember. Yeah. I don't know why, considering that they've not yet been to Earth, there's a Transformer with a tape deck in his chest, but I don't have to really think about that. It's a good point. Well, although maybe the tape deck technology is yeah. so advanced that it would be ubiquitous across cultures. Possibly. Well, the boombox was ubiquitous. Right, that every um, civilization would build Would build boxes. something like that. Do you miss boomboxes? I do like the boombox. Yeah. I like had a pretty could, sweet one. You could, And you could get them that were really amped up. So oh, yeah. They could be quite loud, but you could take them anywhere you wanted. I yeah. mean, the I think batteries, I, I think we, at my, they would burn through those big batteries. I like, think at my, yeah. I can't remember, my junior high? My yeah. junior high, We there was always like a, there was this contest at the end of the year where you would win, like you could enter and you would win stuff. And one year, yeah. I won a pretty sweet Sony Walkman. Yeah. It had like a graphic equalizer in it. It was graphic pretty sweet. E- Remember the days when like a graphic equalizer, you're like, oh man, yeah, it's got like, the graphic got the, equalizer. Got the three, I can move the three this little, little things, button yeah. up and down. Oh wait, yeah. this had three things to move up and down. Whoa, the sound was Bass, treble, and mid. It was and then I'm pretty, sure better, another, right? I'm pretty sure another year I won my, my boombox stereo. So how'd you win? Like how'd you... I don't remember. I think was I must have like had to enter something. Because you seem very lucky. Was I think it like, might have been a lottery based on grades. Or how many books you read. Yeah, like something like that. Like clearly something that works to my strengths. Yeah. Which are few and far between. Because yeah. one of them is not strength. <laughs> <laughs> my strength do not include the actual strength. Ironic, I know. Yeah, the boombox. The era of the boombox. Yeah. Why don't they make them anymore? It's strange. I don't know. Because we oh, everything's, everything's small and Like why is digitized. micro better? I yeah. don't know. Set. I do find it interesting that that besides sort of feeling very yeah, much like the cassette tape in their pocket, <laughs> yeah. in the thing then besides very much sense. feeling like a Phase One Marvel film, yeah, it also feels like it borrows a lot from the X Men franchise, particularly Days of the Future Past. Okay, in that it seems like the purpose of this film is to basically do away with the last film. Because it gets rid of every. Because remember when the yeah. Bumblebee film was announced, it was yeah. right after last night, right? Where you have the scene where he's helping the army kill Hitler, yeah. And that was what this movie was supposed to be. Was it really? Yes. And well, then it became something else. Because one of the things I find really interesting is this film. It's sort of a reboot, but also kind of not because, you know, the whole one of the points of the movie is to explain. How did Bumblebee lose his voice? I'm like, well, he only lost his voice in the Bay franchise. So if this is not the Bay franchise, why do we need that explanation? And at the end, he turns into the Camaro that Sam Witwicky finds in the later film. Yeah. John Cena in mentioned Sector 7, which is the secret army group in the other film. But nothing else in this movie works with any of the other films. But there's a lot of that that works already then. Except that they are being sent to Earth for the very first, none of them have ever been to Earth, so none of them can't have been hanging out with King Arthur. They can't have been killing maybe, Hitler. Maybe they just forgot about King Arthur. I don't know. So, How do you forget King Arthur? Well, and they had, so now but, Hasbro, but the Hasbro is, at the Toy Fair has confirmed that this is meant to re- be a reboot of the franchise. Right, but to me, it's not Days of Future Past because that is a movie that, that self-consciously through the plotting of the movie mm-hmm. resets. Yes. The universe. This is just one saying, we're, we're, we've reset the universe. Yes. And jacked up its... I meant more in the fact that it seems to jack up the continuity in a very X-Men-y kind of way. Okay, yes. Well, the continuity doesn't work anymore, but there is no continuity because right. this is a... But if there is no continuity, then why like, do we need Sector 7? Why do we need the Camaro? Why do we need Bumblebee's voice gone? Maybe, maybe they're just Easter eggs to previous... So, yeah, I mean, that's know, basically what they become. Franchise, yeah. Which kind of makes, makes sense to me. It's like... 
every time we start a new Spider-Man franchise, we don't have to go back and create a convoluted reason why it's not Tobey Maguire anymore, but it's Andrew Garfield, right? You just start well, but except I'd argue that we've all with with the Andrew Garfield, we still had to do like Uncle Ben getting shot and all of that. Like the Tom Holland right. was the one that was finally like, yeah, no, we're just going to take that for granted. But it's still starting anew, yeah. right? It's still starting fresh. Yeah, not from not from outside the comic canon, but from outside the comic book movie canon. Right. Yeah, I I thought it was I thought it was ter- a terrific little film. Yep, I agree. The first time we've agreed on a Transformers movie. I think that might be true. Yeah. Although I I recall you really liking Merlin. No. Like you thought Merlin like no. in, the, in King no. Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table no. was a really good idea. There was nothing or the, about that. Didn't you film. like the Witwickies through time? No. <laughs> you didn't like Anthony Hopkins? No. 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 You didn't like the dress I'm pretty changes? sure Anthony Hopkins doesn't like Anthony Hopkins in that movie. Oh, that's ridiculous. That guy chews through the scenery like he's having the time of his life. And I think even he is like, yeah, I'm just doing this for the money. Yeah, he's having a great time doing it. Uh, I think in retrospect, he's like, ugh. Like this podcast. Yeah. I think we don't do it for the money, but we would, and we'd have a good time if somebody oh, paid yeah, us. Oh, yeah, we would. Rich, how's it coming? Like, have you thought about how we might monetize, monetize this it? as we get near our 100th episode of pro bono yeah. podcast work? Yeah. Uh, I try to keep my you know attention what? to things that are possible. I feel like when we hit 100, we're like, you know what? We've done this free for 100 episodes. Yep. We get paid for the next 100. Absolutely. We just need, All you need to do is find some sponsors. That's how yeah. it works. Yeah. What would be a good sponsor for the show? Game Chateau? Mm, I don't think so. Comics Shasta. on the Green? Comics on the Green, yes. Um, Game Chateau, I think one of us might have burned a bridge there. I think one of us burned a few bridges. Well, one of us burned Ewoks, which is the same as burning bridges. It turns and out. cheated at the game. Which was the real crime. No, the cheating was, was adding <laughs> Dude, some spice to it. I was crime. adding Dude, spice to a tr- You did not see, because I think you had show. your back to them. When you revealed that you had been cheating the whole yeah. time, I'm pretty sure the owners were going to kill you. But the whole point of it was to have some fun. Somebody had to inject fun into that monstrosity of a podcast. And I'm pretty sure you failed at that, too. Oh, it was a lot of fun. Mm, yeah. Really? What do we talk about? Do we talk about the drama of who won, or do we talk about the dreading? The, the dreading? The, dreading? <laughs> the cheating. The cheating drama. Now, I'm pretty sure we just pretend that episode didn't happen. Yeah, we should. We should yeah. quit talking about it entirely. Yeah. But like, this Speaking of be... quitting talking about it, how are we doing on time? We're doing fine. We got 53, so maybe Mar- Marvel would be a good... DC's probably looking for something to sponsor. Oh, God, yeah. But they've also listened to what we said about their movies. Mm. Marvel doesn't really need our sponsorship. No, we need their sponsorship. Yes. Yeah. The um, question is, what would we bring to Marvel? New ideas. Mm. As they start to reboot after Endgame, we've got ideas. You put you and me in charge of the Marvel Universe for a year. Mm. (laughs) Fiery flames. Well, except for the the Hawkeye trilogy. Hawkeye. It's going to be like the Lord of the Rings. (laughs) Just Hawkeye looking really sadly. Hawkeye as a leader of men. (laughs) Gazing sadly into the distance. No, to be fair, it'll be a Hawkeye sort of leading to a West Coast Avengers movie. That's phase one. Which is really what people want. Right? Like, phase one has to have West yeah. Coast Avengers. Yeah, well, cause we got to have Hawkeye, and then we got to introduce Wonder Man, yep. and then Tigra. Yes. You know, we can do a replacement Iron Man easy. Yep. Um, you know, Mockingbird needs to be in there. Um, Firebrand? Firebrand? That's a DC character. No, never mind then. Oh, Jesus. Firehawk. Also DC. You know, DC might sell Firestorm. The... You mean Firebird? Firebird, there's where there I'm going. But you know what? DC might sell you the characters. They're desperate enough. That's true. Hmm. That's what's so you, you'd go West Coast Avengers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course you would. Best Avengers. Well, so Marvel's not going to spawn. Maybe Nestle? Mm. 
No, I don't like warm drinks, so probably not. <laughs> Nestle makes candy bars. You and your warm drinks. No, they make hot, hot chocolate. chocolate. They make hot chocolate. I don't like hot chocolate. Unless you put marshmallows in it. Then I will eat hot chocolate. Or a child makes it. <laughs> I don't understand what your complaint is. A child was selling cupcakes, so I bought a cupcake. I made a cake, and you did not eat it. I was because kidding. it was not vegan. But, it was, but the, I was paying a dollar to some kind of, I'm sure, important charity. But you could have given the cupcake away to someone. And my cake was free, and yet you did not eat it. But you paid a dollar to eat a non-vegan cupcake. Because I was contributing to a child's self-esteem. And you have said many a time that I have the self-esteem of a child, and yet you chose not to contribute to that. That's a fair point. I hadn't thought Thank about you. you as a child. We should just wrap on that. I don't think we should. Can we come back to No, that's done. No, he cut. didn't. No, he didn't. No, don't cut it.